Hello and welcome to the Happy You're Here podcast. In this show, we talk about tools, techniques, and ideas to help us all live more fulfilling lives. In this episode, we have Jillian Schreck, who is a certified hypnotherapist and past life regressionist, as well as yoga instructor. She is well-versed in a lot of different wellness and well-being modalities, and we're gonna talk about a lot of different things in this episode. And we're actually in my apartment because Jill and I are partners. <laughs> uh-huh. So this is the first episode. Actually, this that's a lie. This is not the first episode recorded in this apartment, but this is the first one where you can actually see the apartment and not just a white wall behind me. Welcome, Jillian. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Craig. Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Okay. Hi, audience. <laughs> I'm Jillian. Um, I live in Omaha, Nebraska, and so does Craig, for now. Now. So here we are in Omaha, Nebraska. Um, I am a hypnotherapist. I'm a past life regressionist. I'm a yoga instructor. Um, I'm a breathwork guide, meditation guide. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. <laughs> Good stuff. How long ago, you re- relatively recently started your actual practice. How long mm. ago were, was it that you were certified in hypnotherapy? I got certified last May, the end of last May in hypnotherapy, and then I was practicing um, as much as I could. I was also working a full-time job, so I was practicing on the side as much as I could. And then once COVID hit and uh, I lost my job, so which is a blessing in disguise, really, because I hated that job. And I shouldn't say hate, but like it was, it was the end. It was the end. Um, so then I was like, wow, this is the perfect time for me to really focus all of my energy and all of my attention onto building my hypnotherapy past life business. So that's what I've been doing full time for the past since March. I don't know what month is it? What, <laughs> it's what day is it? September now. What year is it? Yeah, so that long. Hypnotherapy is something that I had heard about before I met you, but. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I didn't really know much about it. I kind of had the conceptualization of entertainment hypnosis, which some of the listeners might have that as well, which Mm -hmm. they are related, but not the same. Yeah, I mean... basically using similar techniques for different purposes. They use hypnosis in an entertainment sense, and I use hypnosis in a therapy aspect. Yeah, so how's that different and kind of why is it useful to use those techniques in a therapy aspect? So hypnosis for therapy is extremely useful because you are, so you just want me to talk about how hypnosis works? Yeah, Let's talk about how (laughs) hypnosis works. Okay, so basically when you're going into hypnosis, people are in and out of hypnosis all day is what I like to tell everyone. Every time you are falling asleep, waking up, feeling like you're daydreaming, feeling like you're just kind of in that imagination, kind of like dreamy, trancy realm when you're driving on the highway and all of a sudden you're home and you're like, oh, wow, I don't even really remember that. You're in hypnosis. So your brain is relaxed. It's open to suggestion. So you come into my office, we talk about what's going on with you, kind of the therapy component. And then you tell me like what you want in your life, like where you're trying to go, why you can't get there, what's going on. 
And then we do the hypnosis. So we put, we, um, it's basically just like super relaxation. So you're just, it's very pleasant. It's so enjoyable. You're just in a very, very, very relaxed, relaxed state. And what's cool, there's like different weird tricks, like mechanics to your brain that people have figured out that can kind of just like really drop you in. Uh, one of them that I think is pretty cool is, uh, so you're, if you're relaxing someone and you're like counting them down, you know, hypnotists like to use numbers, like I'm going to count you down from 10 to one. I think that's just something that the client can like grasp onto in their brain. So you're counting them down. And then one uh, thing that you can do is have them open their eyes. So you like, you know, go from 10 to one, you reach one and you say, you're the most relaxed you've ever been. Um, open your eyes and look up. So when you're opening your eyes and looking up, that produces like alpha brain waves in your brain. And then when you close their eyes back down and relax them again, they're going like twice as deep into hypnosis. So there's kind of cool little tricks like that to get someone into that super relaxed, super suggestible, open state of mind. And why is that beneficial to be in a suggestible state of mind? Yeah, absolutely. So another thing I want to add that the only way that someone will go into hypnosis and even agree to be in that suggestible state of mind is if they trust me, if they have rapport with me. So they're coming to me knowing that they can completely let all of their guard down and know we have an agreement that I'm only going to tell them things that is for their highest good and help them to change their life. So they have to completely trust me to do that um, and not to tell them to like, give me all their money or <laughs> whatever or cluck like a chicken for some reason people love to think that hypnotists like to make people cluck uh, like chickens it's because they've seen the entertainment thing and you know that's kind of they kind of make people look foolish and they people do. are afraid to but relax. i must say the the reason that people are looking foolish with entertainment hypnotists is because they want to look foolish yeah, in the first place it's fun i think they want to have fun the, the, and they want to go up there the hypnotists are picking people purposefully that are going to have well, yeah. fun with it. The people who are basically running up on stage in the first place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what was the question that you asked me? Oh, well, why would it be useful to be in that suggestible state? Like what's, how is yes. it more useful than traditional like talk therapy? Okay. So, um, the reason hypnosis is so successful and the reason to use it at all is, so if you have a problem, if you're stuck, if you have an addiction you're dealing with or negative thought loops or anything like that, just a state of mind that you feel like you can't really break free of, just a cycle or a pattern that you're like, I've been dealing with this for eight years and nothing has worked. I've tried everything. What's going on? Um, the reason to use hypnosis is because when you get someone to that level of open suggestion, you can train their brain choose different patterns to choose a different way so you're not stuck in that same rut in that same brain loop you are showing the brain a different path and so as you're showing the brain a different path different actions different choices to take you can when you're not in trance your brain will remember those pathways and choose those and it it's active as well so it's not like i put you in hypnosis and tell you these things and then like boom some some people that like yeah. <laughs> it is that fast like honestly really it happens but i like a more integrative approach where afterwards 
you, I send you out the door with like mantras, affirmations, with a plan of action with like, listen, we did this work on your brain. We like changed the mechanics of your brain today, but you are going to have to keep choosing this pattern over and over and over and over and over again. And eventually it's just going to become so easy that it's, you're not even going to think about it. And some people right. that could happen immediately. Some people that could take a couple times. Well, yeah, that's that neuroplasticity. Some people have due to different factors, whether it's DNA or mm -hmm. their activity or what they eat. There's so many different factors that affect that. Um, the neuroplasticity in your brain, like how yeah. fast you can choose those pathways. Right. Yeah. Which is something we've talked about on the show before, like thought loops and mm -hmm. the idea of the like neural pathways that get kind of like ridged in. Someone was using the example, I forget who it was, on the show recently, they were pointing out that um, it's like a sled. Was it you that I was talking to? Mm -mm. That, okay. It was someone mm -hmm. else. But uh, it's like a sled when you're riding down a hill and you know, you start making that groove and it's just mm -hmm. the easiest way is to just keep going down that groove. But if you try to like, you know, steer off to a different path, you can do it, but it's difficult. It's and the longer you've been doing that yeah. same path and the heavier it was, the heavier yeah. that emotional like energy that went through that path, yeah. the harder it is to get off of that path. And that's why you need tools and sometimes you need help like getting off of that path. Absolutely. I like the sled. I like to use a river. I think of, I just think of it as a river. I don't know because I like water. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's like just erosion. You go the same thing and the same thing. Yeah, you need help. People need help, especially. This is I feel like this isn't new information, but this is this isn't really super mainstream. I feel like it's really coming mainstream, and people are learning more about the mechanics of the mind and. Um, so people need help. Not everyone knows about this. Yeah, absolutely. How does past lives and past life regression fit into that? We had another yeah. past life regression guy on the mm -hmm. show. Uh, so I'm interested to hear your perspective on that. Okay. I love past life regression. I love it so much. I think it's so very cool. And you know, I'm still pretty new. Like I've still been doing this for about a year, so I'm still getting just so much more into it and there's just there's so much to learn but the thing I love about past lives is sometimes you're really stubborn sometimes your brain is just etched in those pathways and or you just I think stubborn people are like probably the most hurt people because they're they're really putting up their conscious mind is really trying to protect them and like put up those defenses um you're not getting through I need to protect myself which is what your conscious mind does. Like you're just, you're afraid. You're a hurt little child on the inside. Um, and sometimes there's some massive, massive trauma that's happened. And um, humans are really, really good at suppressing trauma and suppressing and forgetting memory. Um, and your brain does that for a reason. Like there's a purpose for that. Um but it can also kind of like mess you up. So there's a reason people are coming into therapy to be like, listen, I need help with this. So I feel like past life regressions are a way to kind of like remove you once from that real life experience and kind of give you like a metaphor to watch or like you're watching yourself in a movie. And so you can go experience a past life um, and experience that scene. And I always think 
always that whenever you're doing a past life regression, you are experiencing things that are like parallel problems that you're dealing with today. Like, I don't think you're going to go experience something completely random that has no connection, whatever to do with your current life, your current situation, whatever guidance you're needing on any problems you might have or direction or anything like that. So it kind of like, it kind of gives you a safe perspective. So you can go and watch a past life or a scene and kind of see it play out in a way that's safer. Right. And then with the therapy aspect after the past life, we can talk about it. And I've never had a client not make connections and be like, oh my gosh, that's, I saw this scene, but wow, it's completely relevant in my life today. Or I saw this scene and wow, now I have the answer to this problem that I've been searching for. Yeah. I think that's really interesting, which I had never thought of until talking to you for the first time about Mm it was... You know, like I, in my own like practice, I practice basically Buddhism, uh, kind of an eclectic version of that that has a lot of different other philosophies and theologies involved in it. But, you know, it it doesn't necessarily allow for, just funny, because a lot of people think Buddhism has reincarnation as part of it, and it's totally not at all. Yeah, that was new to me. (laughs) Yeah. and yeah, I mean, it does to, to me, like, there's not a, and this also speaks to like the materialist side, the atheist side of like, not having like past lives not being real, basically, like, yeah. everyone is connected to some kind of source, but to like, say there's like an individual soul that like jumps through to each life, mm-hmm. maybe that mm-hmm. doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. It doesn't resonate with me as Oh, true. it definitely doesn't make sense. Like, logically, we don't understand oh, this yeah, at all. Yeah, well, and to me, it just doesn't resonate as true. It also doesn't uh-huh. necessarily, like, resonate as, like, false. Uh-huh. Uh, it's definitely just kind of like, a, I don't know. It's hard mm-hmm. for me to, like, really accept that as truth. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of people that feel that way, although about 50% of the world believes in past lives. Yeah. So you kind of have both sides of it. But what you're saying is that even if you don't believe in past, I mean, obviously if you do believe in past lives, it's cool. Yeah. It's, it's a great experience. It's just a cool experience, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, and second of all, it's a, you know, it's, it's a powerful experience to be able to connect with whatever your soul's like past experiences and lessons mm-hmm. were mm-hmm. where with, if you don't believe in past lives, it still can be useful as a therapeutic tool Mm-hmm. because it's basically giving your self-conscious the ability to take like a back door to whatever the traumatic or tense things that you're dealing with yeah are. absolutely and as much as I so the way that I've come to understand and right now am comfortable with um understanding past lives is the metaphor yeah. aspect like I can look at it like it's a metaphor but the more I get into it and the more hypnotherapists I talk to that do past life regressions with their clients it's so hard to just be like yeah it's just a metaphor (laughs) because there's some bonkers stuff that people have come across um just and I mean a lot of people go to past life regressionists like people who feel that they've been abducted by aliens or have some sort of like um alien connection of some sort and they're like 
uh, remembering these abductions or whatever, these just like really, really crazy things that aren't even necessarily like past lives. They could be future lives. They could be lives on other galaxies. They just kind of super incredible things. Like I've talked to a hypnotherapist who um, have a client in a past life regression and they'll start speaking a different language. They'll start writing a different language. They'll start speaking a language that doesn't exist. Like all sort, they'll like speak and their voice will completely change to a different something or other. Like just some like kooky, crazy, cool stuff out there. So yeah, I mean, and beyond who knows. Yeah. But yeah, that's the bottom line is who knows, mm-hmm. but it does definitely work as a therapeutic tool. Oh, yeah, as a therapeutic like, tool. It, like, regardless of, of mm-hmm. what the, like, truth is difficult to pin down sometimes, especially with those sort of things you can't really prove one way or another. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that it's, re- I mean, I've experienced it twice now. Mm-hmm. Uh Basically three past lives because the one regression that we did. And one in-between life. So that's called an in-between life when you're going to a past life. And then we were taking you to kind of, well, no, because you were in a past life. And then we were on the way to the in-between life. And you kind of like sidestepped to a, a, who knows where you were. Yeah, right. Well, yeah, because I went to like, there's the whole kind of like, I called it the waiting room where you're like, Mm -hmm. Like, I left this life, went to the waiting room, then went to a past life, and then went back to the waiting room. Instead of coming back to this life, they sent me through to another past life really briefly, uh, which was like... When you say they, what do you mean? Well, there was like guides there and stuff. Oh, the spirit guide. When you met your guide. Yeah. Part. And then they took you to... Okay. Yeah. Trying to remember. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and that was... But that was super interesting... And like I said, I mean, even if I'm like, that was just my imagination coming up with it, which is hard to say that it's hard to, it felt so real mm-hmm. and it like wasn't, didn't make sense that it would be something that I would make up or like come up with. Mm-hmm. If I, if I were to come up with a past life idea, you like are right now, making, we're all making everything well, yeah, up yeah. all the time. <laughs> right. But it, 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 well, that's what I mean by the, like, you know, when we say truth, it's like, what do we mean by that? Do we mean like mm-hmm. materially provable? Like, mm-hmm. Because that's a different level of truth than like someone's experience. Well, it's really hard to talk in about past lives as material, material. How did you say that? Material approvable. Yeah, materially. <laughs> materially is that a word? Materially. Provable? I don't think so. I think I made that up. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, if 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 you're interested in these uh, past lives that uh, Jillian does. Uh, you have a YouTube channel. Have you started uploading stuff there yet? No, not yet. Have you by the time we record this yes. episode? <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, you have a YouTube channel where you have yeah. recorded some. Um, yes. And are going to be recording more. Yes. And what what's the what's the thought process behind doing it that way, like sharing it that way? Is it to make people more comfortable with the idea? Yeah, absolutely. So on the YouTube channel, I do past life regressions and I also do hypnotherapy sessions. Um, And I just think it's really, I just would like to normalize emotional processing and normalize discovering yourself and diving into your trauma and showing ways that you can deal with it and that you can release it. And I think the more people who I have so much respect for the people who 
want to be on putting this on YouTube because it's super, super vulnerable. But I think the more people do it, the more people are going to relate and then think, oh my gosh, like if that person can work through that like that, then I can too. And (laughs) if we can, if we just all kind of like accept more our own traumas and our own deep emotions and whatever it is we're dealing with instead of feeling shame about it or lost or trapped or feeling like you can never change and you're always stuck this way. You know, if we can just get past that, I think, you know, we'll all just be happier, healthier. You said something there that I hear a lot from specifically, usually people that are like in a a pretty deep state of suffering for one reason Mm -hmm. or another is this concept of like, I am the way that I am, Mm -hmm. or this is just how I am. Like, I'm just Mm -hmm. stuck with dealing with this forever. Yeah. And, you know, I know for a fact that's not true because I've experienced basically reinventing my entire personality and habits and all of that Mm -hmm. coming from being an addict into my current life. And, like, I know, like, when, when you're in recovery, you meet so many people that have similar stories where it's like you completely reinvent yourself mm-hmm. um what is your like what do you think about that like how does that fit into your work and kind of your worldview and everything yeah um so I can relate with that pretty deeply too like when I was experiencing um just kind of all the mental health problems I was dealing with and all the like craziness that my life was and like things were falling apart and I was like holy jeez like there has to be a different way and it it feels impossible like when you are down in the deepest darkest bottom of your pit it feels impossible it feels like you can't change and nothing will ever change Um, but there are ways and I had no idea what there they were like I had no idea how to be mentally healthy I had no idea how to be emotionally intelligent But I knew that I was miserable. I knew that I didn't want to be miserable. And I could see other people living the kind of life that I wanted to. And so I had to figure out how to get there. And I actually figured out how to get there through YouTube because I started watching YouTube videos about mental health. And that really kind of started the whole thing. And just about different subjects on how to open up spiritually and how to just come and be at peace with yourself. Um, so that, I mean, that's really why I want to put my stuff on YouTube is because that's kind of what my saving grace was. And so I learned all of these emotional processes. I learned ways to change your brain. I learned ways to, um, just be at peace. Uh, yeah, I lost my train of thought. What was the question? <laughs> my question, the question was, what was my, what's my point? How do I come around to my point? Well, the question was people that think that they can't change. Oh yes. Yeah. How do they move into a place of accepting that mm. they can? And then, you know, what does that look like? So people who think that they cannot change, there is no way to change. Well, number one, if you think that, then you're not going to change. I think the only reason I did change is because I so desperately wanted to not be miserable. And I think that this is just kind of a sidebar. Yeah. When you said that, it makes me realize that maybe some of these people that, you know, I know personally, I think everybody knows people like this that are Mm -hmm. just absolutely miserable all the time. Mm -hmm. And no matter what you tell them, 
-hmm. No matter how good of the advice that you give them, Mm -hmm. no matter how much help they get, they're just always in that space. Mm -hmm. I think that they like it. Oh, yeah. In some way. It's addicting. Yeah. I used to call it the sad girls club. Like I had some girlfriends and we were just, you know, all sad together. And it was the sad girls club. And it was so desperately just melancholy and like delicious to be there and just fucking miserable. It was awful. But it was like just something about it. it felt like it felt I think I was addicted to the experience. People's brains are addicted to that, which is cool about hypnotherapy is like it literally change your changes your brain like you can change the mechanics of your brain so you are no longer addicted to those feelings and also I would tell someone who is desperately deep in that state is that that doesn't go away like these feelings of sadness and despair and grief like that doesn't go away um you just become more accepting of it in your life Like now I feel sad. I still feel sadness. I still feel despair and jealousy and guilt and all of these things, but I, they don't run and rule and wreck my life anymore. I can feel them and I can learn from them. And now that when they show up, I'm thankful. I'm like, holy, it's still hard. It is very hard. And it's like, Whew, okay, Brace, like, what am I going through right now? Okay, where's the lesson in this? Like, what do I need to work on? And then I figure it out. And then it's a relief. It's a release. It's kind of like a whew, like moving on. And then on the other side of that is just unending bliss, like complete and utter and absolute bliss. And then it's like, wow, thank God I went through that depression. Like, thank God I was jealous out of my mind. Thank God I was broke as shit. Like, wow. <laughs> Because, wow, like if I really did dive into, I really dive into that stuff now and like. It's, it's, it's all about how you relate to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like you can, well, this is the interesting thing too, is that there is a difference between being depressed or experiencing depression mm-hmm. and suffering with it. Yeah. Like you can experience those emotions in that emotional state. Mm-hmm. Um, and conceptualize it and relate to it in a way that you move through it, you learn whatever. It's mm-hmm. like none of those, whether it's depression or anxiety or mm-hmm. um, anything that we is uncomfortable, anything mm-hmm. that we call negative, but mm-hmm. I would say is uncomfortable, those things all exist for a reason. For example, anxiety yeah. exists for a reason. It's telling your body that like, it's giving you energy. Like yeah. so much of us suffer with like not having enough energy. Yeah. Why would we not? Get anxious about something. Like yeah. get really anxious about something. <laughs> and you'd be like, Whoo! It makes us move in a direction. Yes. It's our cortisol and a bunch of different Absolutely. chemicals spiking, which used to be like, you'd get anxious because there was a, the example always is like. The tiger, the right? The tiger, yeah. Or like anxious because there's not enough food or anxious because you're, tri- you're not providing enough value to your tribe mm-hmm. and your tribe might kick you out if you don't, you know, mm-hmm. do something useful. Yes. And I think that's more relatable to like how we feel. There's no clear cut, like if you just do these things, then you're accepted by the tribe or Mm -hmm. the things that we do say, you know, give us those value are very kind of like out of reach for a lot of people or like out of your control, like make money. That means you're valuable (laughs) to society. Like, okay. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Like it's not as easy as just snapping your finger and like someone handing you a bunch of money and having a job and and what if they fire you like there's all kinds of things that are out of your control unless you're mm. an entrepreneur but even then 
there's, you know, the consumer might not like your product. Mm. Clients might fire you. There's so many things. If you attach your value to like having money in your bank account, which our society says is the, the, the store of value mm-hmm. in our, in our current society, then mm-hmm. that's, you're going to have all kinds of anxiety about not meeting that and all kinds of depression about not, not being valuable. And it takes some work to find other ways to see your own value. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily just people like me and you saying like, you're valuable just for existing. <laughs> I think that I believe that, but it's hard for someone to accept that. If or to of, know why. That's like, yeah. why, why am I valuable like, You're just valuable. for existing? Like, that's bullshit. Why? I think everyone has to find their own why. I could tell you my why and like why I think humans are valuable just for existing. But you know, some people think it's bullshit. So you definitely have to figure that out on your own. I love, do you know who uh, Simon Sinek is? Mm-mm. His whole, he's like a speaker and like coach and stuff. Uh, he's really, he, was, he, wrote, he wrote a couple books uh, and he, his whole thing is find your why. And his mm. whole like mission is to have a society where everyone goes to, specifically about work, like that everyone goes to a, a job that they love. They're excited to wake up in the morning and work on something mm-hmm. and, and be productive because mm-hmm. they're working on something they care about. Mm-hmm. And the whole thing is like, no matter, you're not going to do that unless you start with why. Yes. So that's really like the core of why I love hypnotherapy and the core of not necessarily hypnotherapy, but really any kind of work that I'm doing in the counseling therapy, spiritual realms is to connect people deeply to their soul and their core and to find like deep love for themselves. Cause I think once you find that, and once you're deeply connected to your core, and I think once you're deeply connected to your higher self and connected to the source around you and connected to the consciousness of everyone and feel loved and supported, which I think that everyone has access to that all of the time. But once you start doing that, then you are going out into the world and producing in a way that shows your brilliance and supports and it's a service. It's of service to your community. It's of service to the people that you love and it's feeding yourself as well. Like that is my whole mission and everything that I'm doing. So mm-hmm. I think that fits really, I, are you familiar with the term Akagi? Do you know what that is? Mm-mm. It's like a Japanese concept of, it's like this Venn diagram, it's four circles and like a fulfilling life is when is that center of the oh, Venn yeah. diagram. Mm-hmm. And it's like something that you enjoy doing something that society needs, Mm -hmm. something that society will pay for, Mm -hmm. and something that you're good at or can get good at. Yeah. And it's like finding that thing that's in the center of that is, will just be this infinite wellspring of, uh, you know, fulfillment in your life because you'll know that you're Mm -hmm. doing something that you like to do. Mm -hmm. You're good at it. Like Mm -hmm. it sucks to be bad at stuff. Like, oh my God, it sucks to be bad at stuff. And I think it's an important thing to say there is that it's something that you could get good at yeah oh i mean you're gonna suck at anything once you try it like (laughs) i think of my first hypnotherapy client i like want to go back and be like i'm so sorry (laughs) (laughs) thankfully she didn't pay but you know you suck for a while you just suck what do you um do you feel like do you 
feel like you've learned a lot over the last year of doing Oh my the, God, like, yes. What are some of the things that you feel like you've taken away from all of those sessions? Um, Aside from like the specific technique stuff, is there anything? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, other than like working on my technique, it's just nice to see like what I can feel or know or get feedback on that hits with my clients and what I feel that really works and just kind of like, you know, just refining just every, after every session is just refine, refine, refine. And also just becoming more comfortable with myself. Like the more that I do it, the more it's like, just the more comfortable I am, the more naturally it flows and the more that I can help whoever I'm with. Right. So we were talking the other day, might've been yesterday Mm -hmm. (laughs) about um, you're going to start offering, or maybe by the time this episode comes out, you've already started offering services to companies, mm-hmm. um, like workshops and, and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. just general wellness. Um, what are some of the, so, so obviously some of the people who listen to this podcast, not all of you, but some of you are business owners or, uh, managers, like people in like stressful businesses. Usually mm-hmm. that's something we talk a lot about is like how to deal with stress and in, in running a business, but you could talk about too, probably on that end of running oh your own God. business. But yeah. I'm interested from like the, like how can these kind of practices be of like objective value to a company or to their employees? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, if, uh, if you're a company and you, uh, care about your product or your business and the health and wellness of your employees. Like I think now everyone pretty much knows that your health and wellness of your employees directly affects the productivity and profit of your company. Like we all know that. Especially in service businesses where like the, the employees are the product yeah. in a way. Yeah. So if your employees, especially now are stressed out, if they're unwell, all of that lowers people's immune systems. They're more likely to become sick. They're more likely to become aggravated with each other. They're less inspired. They're less productive. So I think wellness programs in uh, corporations are absolutely essential, especially, you know, sitting at a desk all day that causes a lot of problems in the body. And as a yoga instructor, you know, you can do different strengthening and stretching exercises that you should just be doing all day anyway. Um, and also just like mental exercises, like in really high stress environments, I go in and teach people how to manage their stress and it's super effective and so easy and fast. You can be doing it all day long, like as you're talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something that, you know, there's a bunch of different small practices that I've learned that have helped Mm -hmm. me breathing specifically. Yeah. Like you're really into the breathing stuff more so Mm -hmm. than I am, but just taking like a deep breath in a mm-hmm. moment in a situation that's stressful changes your biology. body chemistry. Yeah. yeah. Breathing stimulates your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest. So your cortisol levels are going to lower your stress hormones are going to lower just by breathing. Your body will relax chemically, which sounds so basic, but it's like, you do have to practice those things. First of all, to like, Get your body used to taking a deep breath. Like yeah. A lot of us like never take a deep mm-hmm. breath unless you think about it. Mm-hmm. And then also it's practicing responding to a stressful situation by taking a deep breath, by breathing deep, by taking a few mm-hmm. breaths, by walking away from the situation yeah. it's needed. Giving the- yourself a chance to respond in a way that you choose to respond instead of just 
reacting, you know, taking a second to calm down to make a better decision. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so that's so huge, especially like I said, for service industries. You also mm-hmm. do the uh, healing days, is that what it's called? For oh, yeah. first responders? Mm-hmm. In Omaha, we have something that's called healing days. And it's an alternative healing day. So it's for first responders, so for like fire, police, um, EMTs, veterans, and their families. And we used to have it at the police station downtown um, before COVID. It's kind of on pause right now. But um, so they can just come. There's Reiki practitioners. There's hypnotherapists. There's all sorts of different energy workers, massage therapists. Um, Yeah. And so we just work with first responders uh, completely free for them. Do you find that those people are more closed off or are they kind of so desperate to deal with the stress that they're dealing with that they'll Mm -hmm. try anything. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some I've dealt with some pretty serious like cops were like, I've been shot. I have PTSD. Like, I don't know how to handle this. And you just do the best you can and give them tactics. Like when people are in that situation, they'll, they'll try anything. They want to feel better. Um, they might not necessarily be people who, um, like, you know, cops aren't necessarily like all about energy work and Reiki and all of that, but I don't think that they're all closed off to it. Like some people might be, but a lot of cops and uh, veterans and everything, they're really open to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, I think it's interesting. There's a guy that's going to be on the podcast soon who was in prison Mm. and started a yoga program in prison and now Mm. has a like it's a national thing they go to prisons and they teach yoga um because it was such a healing thing for him and and yeah i have a friend who does teaches yoga in prison yeah i think that's and i mean that's some you know some place where you don't think of people like you know doing energy work and like doing and there's i know people that there's someone too that i'm hoping to have on the podcast soon that does uh like a in uh, like a meditation a mindfulness program Mm -hmm. with prisons and they're also looking now at doing that with like low-income families people in very stressful situations because it's like those are the people there's definitely a there's an interesting thing that has happened in the west because like yoga and and most mindfulness training uh has been commoditized so it's cost money Mm-hmm. so people that really kind of I don't want to say need it more but definitely really need those those practices and the, that knowledge mm-hmm. don't have access to it and are never exposed to it because it's not profitable to expose them to it yes absolutely and this is what I have thought about since then because um, I definitely struggled with my prices being like this is not accessible to everyone like I feel guilty I feel bad like I want to be giving my services to the people who need it most and often they don't they can't afford it right but you know as I think as people as just as people we have um, a responsibility to take care of the underprivileged so I'm not gonna lower my prices. Um, There are people out there who definitely can afford it. I feel kind of like a funnel. Like I'm like receiving these, the the money that I need to practice, to have a space, to further my education, to have marketing, to do what I need to do. Pay those good old taxes. Yeah, to pay my taxes. And then, you know, all of that goes, then I do volunteer programs. I find ways to give back. I have like a community fund. If anyone really desperately needs therapy, then 
they can um, come and have access to that. I think that's wonderful. I've thought about that in a lot of ways. Like when I do, I'm thinking about doing like workshops or whatever within my mm-hmm. own endeavors. Like how can I make this uh, accessible, but also still make it, you know, it, there's a reason things cost what they cost. It's like, yeah, uh, you know, it's the value that you're providing, the training that you're bringing to it. And like, you shouldn't sell yourself short in that regards, but mm-hmm. then how do you, I like the idea of the community fund because that yeah. is almost like a scholarship then. For Scholarships that, work awesome for workshops and things like that. Yeah. I know a lot of like mindful, like the mindfulness outreach initiative here. That's kind of what they do is they mm-hmm. have, you know, maybe it costs $350 for a weekend retreat, which obviously is prohibitive for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, they have to take three days off of work, which some people just can't do. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if they could do that to then charge them $350 on top of that is just, mm-hmm it's prohibitive for most people. Mm-hmm. Most people in this country live below the poverty line. Oh yeah, so like, definitely. Uh, but you know, what they do is when they raise money through like the giving periods of time in, in like Omaha Gives and uh, Giving Tuesday and stuff, like mm-hmm. that all goes towards scholarships to send people to, mm-hmm. and it also helps them send their teachers to like retreats so that they can bring that knowledge back and teach it and in donation-based classes where it's donation-based. So it's like- That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I think, a really awesome thing that you're doing. And I think it's really interesting and valuable that you've been able to figure out different ways to give back where you can. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's awesome to see you build your own business and learn your own worth and value Mm because that's a very hard thing when you're first starting out. Oh my God, that's so hard. (laughs) Yeah, it's so hard to charge what you're worth. (laughs) It's so hard. Or even figure out what that is, you know, what, what does that look like until you start talking to people that have more experience because there's all kinds of things you don't think about. Like when I started doing video editing work, for example, Mm -hmm. I would do, and this is when I was actually doing the work on my own, like I would charge like 12 bucks an hour, Mm -hmm. which seems like to me when I was making eight bucks an hour, Mm -hmm. like 12 bucks an hour, that's great. But then you have to pay self-employment tax, which is like 35%. Oh my God, yeah. You have to pay for your marketing expenses. You have to pay for your software that you're using, your computer that you're using, all of the education that it took to get to that point. Oh my gosh. And at this point, I've been editing for like 10 years and managing teams of editors for that period of time. So it's like, there's all of that experience that someone's paying for. Mm It's still probably undercharged, but like, Mm -hmm. you don't think about all of those things. And I'll have like someone come to me and say like, I'm thinking about charging $15 an hour. Is that too much? I'm like, no, that's too, that's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's always like, that's not enough. Charge more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is really hard. It is really hard <laughs> starting a business and a spiritual practice and figuring out just that in general. Yeah. I mean, it's a weird thing to be, to try to figure out how those things fit together, especially Mm -hmm. like anything related to like the spiritual and wellness space. Cause I think, you know, people that enter those spaces just want to serve people Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I Mm -hmm. mean, most people that I know that are in, that are hypnotherapists or Reiki uh, practitioners or Dharma teachers Mm -hmm. or whatever, like they just want to serve. We're so sensitive. Yeah. We're just so sensitive. We just want everyone to be happy. (laughs) Yep. But I think, you know, it's obviously if you're trying to build a business off of it, which like 
you need to make money somehow. You need to oh, eat. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You definitely, you know, need to charge appropriately for yeah. your services. Garment, for you and all of the other people who are working in the spiritual space. You know, you can't go out there and just way undercharge because that hurts all of the other practitioners. Yeah. Um, and it hurts yourself. Um, like if you do, if, I don't know, if you're independently wealthy and you want to do this on the side and you're just doing it for those around you, I mean, that's fine. That's totally cool. Like I wish I could do that. <laughs> but actually, no, I don't. I totally take that back <laughs> because I found giving away things for free, like people don't take it as seriously that, yeah. at all, period. Like gifts don't work. Well, like you've been trying to record these YouTube series mm -hmm. and offering basically a free session in exchange for allowing you to record it. Mm -hmm. Those people have flaked, flaked on, on me you every like time. Yeah. People flake. No one takes it seriously. It's not as deep as a process um, if people aren't giving an appropriate energy exchange. Like if they want to make big changes in their life, if they are serious about this, then they're going to pay serious money and they better pay serious money. That is an energy exchange. It's a commitment. It's saying, I'm going to do this. I'm going to walk this path and I'm going to do this. I'm going to show up every day. I'm going to do the homework. I'm going to do the things you recommend. Um, so it's a lot more for them. Like it's definitely for you, but it's for them yeah, too. Absolutely. That's what I've learned in consulting work. It's like, even in marketing consulting, it's like if mm -hmm. a client will come to me, ask me for, I'll assess, like I'll take all this time to go into their business and their data and everything and give them advice on how to market their business or like which things are working, which things aren't working. Mm -hmm. And the ones that have paid, you know, a couple thousand dollars for that are the ones that turn around and like apply that in their business and get mm -hmm. great results. The ones that pay a couple hundred dollars because I was just like, oh yeah, I'll just do it for whatever, like kind of half-ass it. And they don't, because they didn't really like give up, like there's no commitment to it, like yeah. you said. Like they're not bringing themselves fully to it. And that's so much, that's even more important when it's like your life you're talking about. If you're uh, trying to quit smoking, let's say, like mm. it's, you know, that's life or death for Definitely. a lot of people. And if you're not putting money into it, then you're mm -hmm. not really going to commit to it. No. And also the amount that you're spending on cigarettes, like <laughs> yeah, you can true. spend that much one time to not smoke cigarettes. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So where can people find your uh, workshops, your YouTube, your services? Yeah. Cool. So my business name is Mesmerize Hypnosis. My website is mesmerizehypnosis.com. And uh, you can go there. Uh, you can also go to my Facebook page, which is Jill Schrack. Uh, my Instagram, which is Jill Schrack. Yeah, you can find me there. I have a Facebook page that's Mesmerize Hypnosis as well. And I'm always posting about mental health stuff and the things that I'm doing in my workshops and stuff. Cool. Those things will be down in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Jill, for coming on the show and sharing what you know and what you've learned and what you're learning uh, in regards to hypnotherapy and healing and past life regressions. I think those things are very cool. You definitely check out uh, her YouTube channel. The Mesmerized Hypnosis website has... Um, information on there. You can book a consultation with you so that you can kind of talk more with her if you're if you're interested in that. And and we're gonna do another episode at some point. Um, like I said at the beginning of the episode, we're partners. Oh, I forgot that you said that. 
I that we're we're you, dating. You forgot that we're partners. <laughs> I forgot that we're partners. Yeah, no, I did not forget that we're partners. You just forgot that I publicly said that. Yes. But the the point is is that our one year anniversary <laughs> is coming up in beginning of November. Yeah. And I want to do an episode then about relationships because both of us have a lot of experience with relationships as anyone by the time they're in their late 20s, early 30s has. <laughs> huh. um, but I think specifically we've gotten pretty good at them. Hopefully. Yeah. And you've done some relationship counseling more or less through your hypnotherapy practice too. Yeah. We could talk about all that <laughs> on the episode that we're going to talk about uh, relationships on. Okay. Which will be at the beginning of November. So Great. stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for being on the show mm -hmm. and we'll see you around. Bye.